Hey guys, we have a lot to cover this week, so welcome back to what is supposed to be a mini episode of Till I Say It Out Loud. I'm Audrey. I'm going to be covering a lot of stuff because last week we only talked about the finale of Night Country, and this week I'm just going to hit on a few things that happened last week and a few things that happened this week. As always, I'm going to start with the most heavy stuff so we can move past it. I wanted to mention um, Next Benedict, the non-binary 16-year-old who was murdered in Oklahoma in a high school bathroom. I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but it is absolutely abhorrent that this kind of stuff is happening in our country and people tend to refuse to see it for what it is. I know we don't know all the details. The way it was handled at that school was absolutely disgusting. I know it's directly tied to the political views of the higher-ups in education there. The violent language of exclusion towards trans people in general, but especially trans children. And for this to have happened is just such a horrific mirror of where our country is at at this time. I also want to mention Aaron Bushnell, who set himself on fire outside of the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. as a protest for our continued action in the genocide in Palestine. A lot of uh, things have come out to say, to try to discredit his action and sacrifice trying to say he's mentally ill but this man was a a soldier and he felt deeply that he could no longer be a part of something that would allow this to continue and I saw somebody posted a tweet that was so insightful in my opinion that soldiers are taught to die for a purpose and give their life for a greater a greater more safe world because of their sacrifice that is what the military is taught and he chose to do it for something that goes against uh the military and is for humanity i just feel like both those stories need to be mentioned at the at the beginning i know that it's a it's a tough thing to begin with but I'll start it out that way in case anyone wants to skip, they can, but it it's not something I can ignore. It's very important, like current event stuff, especially at, at least to me, in my opinion. And a little less heavy news, but still kind of <laughs> politically based. Uh, Donald Trump has been ordered to pay like over 35 or 355 million dollars in a fraud case and he has until the end of March I think to appeal but every single day <laughs> he waits to appeal with it or if he waits to appeal like every single day he gets um interest placed on I think it's like a hundred and ten thousand dollars is placed on top of that fee so it's going to be close to 500 million dollars by the time he has to pay it if he waits to appeal so it's like kind of a waiting game for him I know that they struck down his request to delay having to pay and they were like no if you don't have it we're gonna just start 
like taking your assets. And so <laughs> technically they could take Trump Tower. I think Mar-a-Lago has a New York LLC, so it's possible they could repossess that. It's very interesting to see what's going to come of that. Um, something else that's kind of crazy to me, um, politically speaking, is that the Supreme Court in kind of 11, an 11th hour like decision they have decided to take up Trump's immunity appeals. So the supermajority conservative Supreme Court that Donald Trump helped to stack with at least three appointees underneath him will be hearing whether or not Trump can be tried for any kind of crimes that he may have committed as a president. Does he have immunity and to what degree does he have immunity? So that's going to be really interesting. It's annoying to me because I really, obviously, I want these cases against him to hit the hit the court as soon as possible. But they're having to pause because the Supreme Court will not be hearing this case until the end of April. And they might not rule on it until the end of June. So this is definitely like a win for Trump if he wants to delay things he's definitely going to be delaying this so anyways that's all the heavy stuff I'm not going to mention politics again I'm not going to mention tragedies again we're going to get into some pop culture stuff now so SAG Awards were last weekend on Saturday which was wild um I did not watch it um because I am not used to things being on on Saturday and then after the fact it was on Netflix and which I think is cool it it's fun to watch the SAG Awards anyways it's the most fun award show I think because it's just the actors fawning all over each other which I love but it's also the one they take the the with the less I guess the least amount of pressure so they're drinking they're having a good time like it's really really fun and so I really like the SAG Awards, but after it posted in Netflix, I already knew everything that happened and I'd seen like the clips and like highlights and knew all the winners. So I was like, well, I could watch it, but I already know everything. So I just did not But I did want to hit on some of the cute stuff they decided to do this time. They had movie reunions to present and my top two favorite movie reunions were... Elijah Wood and Sean Astin, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd, love the movies. That movie series absolutely impacted the trajectory of the choices I made in my life to become an English teacher and just how much I love cinema. The, I learned about cinema from watching the Lord of the Rings extended edition special features and they just, it just, I love the whole thing and so to see Elijah and Sean up there together is so was so cute loved to see that I thought it was a really cool like throwback to you know and my other favorite which I think is everybody else's favorite was the Devil Wears Prada reunion so they had Meryl on stage and she pretended to have forgotten something off stage and so Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway run on stage to bring her stuff and it's just like the cutest 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 and obviously I feel like the darling of the night because you can't like scroll through anything without seeing a meme of this man is Pedro Pascal winning best performance in a TV series for The Last of Us, which I do believe he did a wonderful job. I think it was amazing that he won because you could tell like he did not expect to win 
Um, especially because he was up against two succession actors. He was against Brian Cox and Matthew McFadden, or McFadden, or however you say his last name. I've always said Matthew McFadden or McFadden because I've always seen the Y, like flip the Y and the D. So now I'm hearing people actually announce his name and I'm realizing I'm saying it incorrectly. I've been saying it incorrectly since 2005 when he was in Pride and Prejudice. But all that to say, Succession has kind of swept most categories in the Globes, in the Emmys. So I was really surprised to see that Pedro won. And if you go watch a video of him um, hearing his name announced, it's so precious. Like he covers his mouth like you can't believe it. He goes up on stage and he just has like the most honest to God, genuine reaction. It's so precious. It's so sweet he can't believe it. He says he's going to throw up at one point. He's like, I'm going to go have a panic attack and throw up. Or he's like, I'm drunk because I didn't think I was going to win. So I've had too much tequila. <laughs> like, And then when he's off stage, um, they're like, what are you going to do now? And he says, I'm going to make out with Kiernan Culkin. <laughs> so I don't know. He's just the most darling. And also he was like dressed like Mr. Darcy. Like he had this flowy white shirt and slacks on and like it was there was no tie it was just kind of like unbuttoned and he looked so adorable and I think he was just having a great time I think the reason the SAG Awards are one of my faves too is because you can tell it really means a lot to everyone there because they are being voted on by them by each other and it's the one where you re you really know that their peers are the ones that are rewarding them and I, I can't think of something that would mean more to me that would be very very special but outsiding performance for a cast in a in a movie was Oppenheimer they like they I don't want to say they swept but like it feels like a sweep because like Robert Downey Jr. won best supporting actor and Killian Murphy won best actor and female actor was Lily Gladstone as it should be like I honestly I know that everyone loves Emma Stone and I do too but like Lily Gladstone has to take the Oscar. That is next week. I don't even know if I will actually do a mini episode next week because I'm going to try to do an Oscar recap episode right after the Oscars, which is next Sunday. So we'll see. But I just need Lily Gladstone to win the Oscar. She deserves it. Her peers clearly believe that she deserves it. When she won the last award... Um, I remember watching the reaction of everyone and Emma Stone like burst out of her seat like she was so excited. So I just feel like she really deserves it. It's like it's literally Lily Gladstone's to win. And then we've also got um, Divine Joy Randolph from The Holdovers who was like a best supporting actress. So she's won every single award. Like I don't think there's any question she's going to win. So the only kind of coin flip if you th if you think of it in terms of coin flips is going to be um best female actress in a leading role but I'm just really hoping it's Lily so outstanding performance in a drama series was Succession which I do believe is like that is that is deserving it was their final season but Pedro Pascal, I think that's why Pedro Pascal was so shocked that he won for The Last of Us. And Elizabeth Debicki won for The Crown as the ethereal goddess that she is. She played a very, like, a very spot on Princess Diana. Some people said it was like chilling who knew her to watch Elizabeth Debicki perform this role because she got 
the mannerisms and stuff down like she was very she was just incredible she's an incredible actress and that was a wonderful role for her people are mad that the bear keeps winning a comedy series and I don't understand why people like want Abbott Elementary to win and I I do understand why people want Abbott Elementary to win because it's wonderful and it's hilarious and great I think they believe that the bear isn't funny. I feel like that isn't true. (laughs) I think the bear is incredibly smart and it's so, it's so funny, but like, obviously it's, it's deeply, it's deeply sad as well. You're dealing with a character who has lost his brother and is dealing with the grief of losing a family member with no answers, but the finding the humor in that I think is what makes it such a great show is that it has to find the humor in these very, very intense scenes. And I think that's why it should win best comedy series because it is funny. And while Abbott elementary is like a different like flavor of comedy, obviously it's like a more traditional comedy. Um, it's great. I just think it's harder to be funny in the type of, of comedy that the bear is. All that to say, love the SAG Awards. Wish I hadn't missed it, but like was busy on Saturday. <laughs> was busy. So didn't watch it and um, didn't feel like I could sit through it since I already knew all the outcomes. I forgot to read this uh, quote. So a woman named Laura Bassett on Twitter had my favorite tweet about the SAG Awards. And of course it was about Pedro Pascal because he's my child and I love him. And it said, Pedro Pascal being legitimately shocked to win a SAG Award, admitting in his speech that he's a little drunk and having a panic attack and then going backstage and announcing he plans to make out with Kiernan and Culkin is why I love him so dearly. So, um, she nailed it. That's exactly why everything he did was perfect. He's the best. So the Dune 2 premieres have been happening and we've been watching like Zendaya do a different look at every single premiere and the way every single woman in this movie is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Literally every time I see a woman from the Dune movie, I think that is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. (laughs) So it's been like, I feel like us fashion girlies us us red carpet girlies who love a movie star like we are being fed with the dune 2 premieres zendaya has there's not a look that she's done during the premiere red carpets that hasn't been incredibly iconic as if we could ever expect anything less from her rebecca ferguson has looked incredible florence Pugh, who is my personal favorite just looked amazing everything she chose to do is so incredible and what i love about florence Pugh is she's extremely beautiful but you can tell she's extremely confident in her body in the way her hair is cut like even if like she had her head shaved for a while now she has like kind of a uh i would say like maybe like an asymmetrical like thing going on she and no matter how like unorthodox her look might be at the moment. She always stands like she's the most incredible woman that's ever walked the planet. And I believe it every time. I just, I've really enjoyed the Dune 2 red carpet premieres. Unfortunately, I am not interested in the least 
uh, to see the movie. I watched the first one and didn't really care. So it's been a really interesting moment for me to watch the Dune stuff come about and watch the Dune posts on social media like roll in and me have kind of nothing to do with that. I'm usually part of a craze especially for a franchise, especially for a long anticipated sequel. Like that's kind of my vibe. Like I love that kind of thing, but I just could not get into it. And I think the issue for me is Timothy Chalamet. Like I just don't care about, I just don't care. I, this would never happen, but I guess like part of me really just wishes it was Tom Holland. So I could just see Zendaya and her man. And that's one of the things that I forgot I wanted to touch on is the way Zendaya was being interviewed for Dune 2 that was the one where she gets to hold puppies and so they interview them and she, they're holding puppies and someone asked her like who has the most Riz on set on on the Dune cast and she goes okay uh well obviously me which was adorable first of all and that is the correct answer but she goes on to say so like Riz means charisma right and she was like sorry but like the person that I think has the most Riz is not on the Dune cast, it is actually Mr. Tom Holland. And I just felt, I just remember being like, oh my God, that is so sweet. <laughs> like, she doesn't even want to answer the, the question if she can't say her man because she loves him so much. <laughs> I just love that for them. Like, that is, that's real wholesome and sweet. So if, no shade to Timothy, he's probably great. And I've seen him in things that I think he's great in. I think he's very talented. But for me, it would be, I'd be much more interested if it were Tom Holland. The final thing I'm going to talk about this week is Rebecca Ferguson's comments about a past co-star. So Rebecca Ferguson, she is someone I know only from The Greatest Showman, starring Hugh Jackman. And she, to me, she is that woman with the beautiful red hair and the beautiful red dress who sings. And I had never seen her before. And then Corey, my partner, had me watch some... Mission Impossible, unfortunately. <laughs> and she's in she's in a few of those, so I recognize her from that. And so now I realize, oh, I've, I've seen her in a few other things. Like I saw her in Dune, and she's in Dune 2. So she's been on the... She's been on the interview circuit, obviously. And this woman is so iconic. She just kind of said, with her full chest, without hesitation that um, one of her old co-stars, and she made sure to clarify that this co-star was number one on the bill, like they were number one, that this co-star screamed at her and had extremely unprofessional behavior, berated her, and like basically just like dragged her in front of the entire crew, made her cry. And she was like, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he... He, I don't know if she clarified he or she, but she basically said their first build. So they are first on the call sheet. So they were like the star of the show. So this started being, obviously this started a huge wave of speculation because they were like, who did this to this poor woman? Oh my God. So she said that this person would literally look at me in front of the whole crew and say, you call yourself an actor? This is what I have to work with? And what the fuck is is this? Or whatever. So I just read her quote. She said, I think I was so vulnerable and uncomfortable that I got screamed at. But because this person was number one on the call sheet, there was no safety net for me. So no one had my back. And I would uh, cry walking off set. Bless her heart. It's so messed up. But she said, 
Um, despite her initial apprehensions, she eventually confronted the situation and insisted that she no longer work with this actor and she told him to fuck off. So this article, which I'm reading from Pajiba um, by Dustin Rowles, so I'll link this in the show notes, but essentially this this person speculates that it is a man so he in in their narration it says told him to fuck off some people can, like kind of swung in and were like oh we don't know it's a man it could be all these people so they would like claim like emily blunt possibly which obviously can't be true because because Rebecca ferguson has called emily blunt her like lesbian lover like she loves her they, they have a playful fun relationship so it's obviously not her and so people started narrowing it down or trying to narrow it down and so they would talk about, well, it could be Ryan Reynolds or Jake Gyllenhaal. It could be Ewan McGregor, Michael Fassbender, and notoriously uh, prickly. That's what this article says, Hugh, Hugh Grant. Um, some people were also saying it could be The Rock. And so people started trying to narrow it down. Like some people were really, con- they were really convinced that it was Jake Gyllenhaal because for some reason, some people have, they've like read that he's had bad, like he's had bad behavior on sets before, but I have not really heard that in my life. <laughs> um, I am a Jake Gyllenhaal stan, uh, unfortunately. Uh, as a Swifty, it's hard to be a Jake Gyllenhaal stan, but you can never make me hate him, sorry. Only he can do that. So, um, so far, I don't really feel, I didn't feel like that sat with me i think he tends to try to be on his best behavior especially with the ladies on set because if he's gonna be a dick like i think he might be more he might be he's probably smarter about it ewan mcgregor like that really sent ice down my spine because i was just like i cannot be ewan mcgregor like i have loved him since moulin rouge and i can't so i was really glad when most people like kind of dispelled like that can't be they have lots of interviews together so it kind of came down to uh, michael fassbender now michael fassbender is allegedly like has uh, domestic violence in his past so a lot of people were like well he beats his girlfriend so i imagine that he could yell at a woman on set and so that I was like, it could be it could be him. Um, and then one of the major ones was Hugh Grant. And especially because before I realized this, because I had I posted like, oh, my God, someone please like clarify who this is, because I really don't want it to be Jake. And one of my Twitter friends, Jay, was like, it's definitely Hugh Grant. And he sent me this article that I'm actually referencing. And before I, I had read this article, I didn't realize that she had no interviews or anything with Hugh Grant um, leading up to the movie that they were in together, which was Flores Foster Jenkins. So I thought that spoke a lot more to who it might be than anything else is who she was clearly like comfortable working with. Like she was obviously comfortable doing PR with Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal and Ewan McGregor and even Michael Fassbender, even though I do think Michael Fassbender sucks, but she doesn't have anything like that with you, Grant. As for The Rock, like, I think The Rock's PR team was like, dude, they're speculating that it's you. Like, you probably, because a lot of people were like, oh, it's The Rock. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) wow, (laughs) really coming for The Rock. And so he posted, like, a comment on an article, I guess, that was like, man, I really hate to hear that. I love that woman. She was my, like, safe, she was my angel or something on set. I don't know. Saying something really nice. And I was like, whoa, his PR team was 
tough and swift. Like that was really smart of them because people were like speculating. And I kind of just love that about that. She was like, you know what? This happened and it happened to me and it happened with a first build. And she kind of dropped that bomb to detonate and it did. And she would kind of walked away like, I don't care. I don't care who's speculating. I don't care who is being accused of it. It's going to make these men have to kind of like scramble to say it wasn't me because I'm nice. <laughs> I just clicked on it. I just clicked on a YouTube link on accident because I thought I was clicking on an article link to read another article, but it was actually a click to the Graham Norton show where Hugh Grant admits that many, many of his female co-stars like hate him. So I mean, I feel like that to me is evidence enough that like he he actively knows that he is a dick and probably it doesn't seem like he's very apologetic about it and Rebecca and he have zero interviews um promoting their movie together which I think eliminates everybody else and it just makes sense like if you go in and you read those if you read those things in the article that she claims that this person said you can genuinely hear them in Q Grant's voice so that's where I stand on all that this is actually a mini episode this time. It is literally less than 30 minutes for once. So guys, thanks for coming back and listening. Next week, I might skip the mini episode just so I can do an extra long Oscar recap because I'm throwing an Oscar party, which I'm really excited about. I can decompress and discuss through some of the fashion choices because that's one of my favorite things. We can discuss the ceremony itself. And I'll let you guys know how I do on my ballot wagers because I'm trying to, to make a game or, or, or two out of um, our ballots in the nominations. So hopefully I'll see you back here next time.